Hi everybody, it's Aladdin. My friend Genie is a real safety nut, and he wanted me to remind you to stay seated with your seatbelt fastened nice and tight. This just in. A Jungle Cruise skipper reports spotting the lost safari near the African veldt. As you board the monorail, watch your step, lower your head, and please slide all the way across the seat to the far window. Fathers, no one seems to realize that fathers are the most neglected guys, so do everything you can. You owe a lot to your old man. Eastern Airlines Flight 72. Your Fiesta flight to Mexico and the ancient pyramids, now departing at gate 19. The doors of your car will close automatically. Please keep your head and arms inside and remain seated at all times. And please, no smoking. Thank you. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show. Your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 485. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to try and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with not just the podcast, but videos, blog, my live broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So this week, I want to invite you to join me aboard the Highway in the Sky and travel to Disney's original flagship hotel, Disney's Contemporary Resort. We're going to look at our top 10 things you probably never knew about the resort, including some of its secrets, stories, myths, overlooked experiences you can still do today, and its unique history. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a new Disney Prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information about upcoming Meet to the Month, special events, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. We're now embarking on a scenic journey over the highway in the sky. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. Today, you'll be seeing what we call Phase 1, which stretches more than three miles east to west and two miles north to south. But that's just the beginning. We have many exciting plans for the future. Just ahead is one of the real wonders of our world, the exciting Contemporary Resort. In a few seconds, we'll be passing directly through the center of the Contemporary's Tower Building for a look at the spectacular Grand Canyon Concourse. As we ride through the Grand Canyon Concourse, you can see one of the largest ceramic murals ever created. It's nine stories high, and it's made up of 18,000 hand-painted tiles. Elevators running through the center will carry you high above to the top of the World Restaurant, where famous stars entertain. You can see many of the guest rooms high in the sloping walls overlooking the restaurant terrace and shopping plaza below. In addition to the Towers building, the Contemporary Resort also features lakeside living. Additional guest rooms are located right on the shores of beautiful Bay Lake. You're invited to return to the Contemporary Resort anytime by simply taking one of the local monorail trains from the Magic Kingdom. They'll drop you off right at the Grand Canyon Concourse Station. 
Here's a special program note while you're visiting. Out on the Seven Seas Lagoon, our exciting new water ski spectacular will be taking place throughout the I've been going to Walt Disney World since November of 1971, just a few weeks after the parks opened its gates for the very first time. And we drove, little Lou Mangello drove with his parents in whatever 70s-era station wagon we were probably in from New Jersey to Orlando. And I am considering myself very fortunate and blessed enough that... My parents were Disney fans, too, and they, they always wanted to give us... I, I have a brother who's six years younger, so we would always go every year, and my parents always wanted to give me and my brother the best possible experience when we went to Walt Disney World. So we pretty much always stayed on property, including that very first visit when we stayed at this very futuristic new hotel known as the Contemporary Resort. And it was the place that we stayed really most often, um, including, I remember, a family reunion trip we had in the early 2000s when my dad took about 35 of us, <laughs> picture that, and we all stayed um, right in the, uh, in the contemporary. And there's so much, as I think back, that I remember about growing up sort of in Walt Disney World and staying at the contemporary from riding the, the monorail in the, in the front of the car on the monorail after the parks closed with a friend of mine seemingly all night until it actually shut down. My parents knew that it was safe. It was where they trusted me. And I remember that poor cast member. I was just peppering with countless questions. I, I remember the colors and the images. I even sort of remember what the contemporary smelled like. And I was fascinated by the design. And as I got older... As with everything in Walt Disney World, I tried to learn everything I could about the resort and about the hotel and even sort of how it was built, right? And I think we all sort of know that the general story, I'm sure. But I also think that there's probably a few things and maybe some secrets that you don't know about the contemporary. In fact, dare I say, I'll bet that there are at least 10 or so. So this week, I, we, want to share 10 things you probably never knew about Disney's Contemporary Resort. Think of them as a top 10 things you probably never know. And when you hear 10 things and top things, you know two things. It's not going to be 10. And I'll be joined by little Timmy Foster from Celebrations Magazine over at CelebrationsPress.com. Little Timmy, my friend, welcome back. Thanks. I, I'm going to I'm going to be staying the contemporary for my first time next month. I'm so excited. Uh, what days are you going to be there? And if you could share exactly what room, it would make stalking you a lot uh, easier for the listener. I'm on the 54th floor. <laughs> I'm in the end room, and I'm going to be there right over late. So come on in. It'll be a party. We'll have a good time. Wait a but minute. Then, hey, I think that we can have a little part. I uh, listen. I'll I'll yeah. follow me on the Twitter, and I will uh, share out where Tim. Oh, okay. We'll have a little surprise party. All right. For Tim, because it's going to be a surprise that Tim's not knowing that we're coming. But I'll bet, Tim, that there's also what? something else that the listener doesn't know. And that's the best part, best part of this whole show. <laughs> Man, you set yourself up for an easy softball. <laughs> the, the, the best part up. is that we are joined once again by uh, what is becoming a, a recurring top 10 guest, dare I almost say a top 10 participant, Daniel Roberts, who's incredible generosity to our dream team project through uh, auctions and donations has gone such a long way to help fulfilling the dreams of children to visit Walt Disney World through the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. You can learn more about our efforts at dreamteamproject.org. So I want to welcome, actually welcome back 
Daniel to the show as well. Hey. Oh, thank you. I love you, Dan. This is, I think this is like my sixth, maybe my fifth, sixth or seventh appearance on the show. I love you guys. And the only thing is that um, because I'm going to be recording the show with you, that I won't listen to it tomorrow when I work out. <laughs> but I want to tell you that I met uh, Lou. He and I had lunch with my family in, what was it, February? Yeah. March? Yep. February and, 23rd. I know it well. <laughs> There's a story. Man. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's on fire tonight. Um, <laughs> goodness. But anyway, it was great to see Lou. And we had a, we had uh, we went to Yak and Yeti. We had some chicken. We had some sake, and we also had uh, discussed uh, Timmy Foster's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was yeah. challenged by the remember the uh, the the server oh came over God. and I, I was so nervous he was challenging I, me to trivia and fortunately I got them all right I would have lost all credibility in front of Daniel which I would have been embarrassed by Luke I would just want to say that there was a waiter who considered himself um, a foremost expert on Disney trivia and he got a gist of or I think he knew who Lou was. So he kept on coming over with trivia. He must have come almost a dozen <laughs> times, and Lou nailed it every time. I was and very nervous. I was nervous. I know, you, you, but but you got it every time, and he kept on coming back. Like, <laughs> well, he's Lou? probably reading your book, is what he was doing. <laughs> exactly. It was Lou was on fire. It was amazing. Well, listen, Wait, like, what what was one of the questions? Let me see if. It- Oh, I don't even remember. Or do you even remember? I have. It was. It was all a blur. It was all. But it was a lot of fun, and I love the cast member engagement. Um, it is. It is a continuing hallmark of oh, Walt yeah. Disney World and Disneyland. Even going back to when the contemporary. Look what I'm doing here. Even we're going what? back to when the contemporary opened in October 1971. So before we get started, I have two quick questions for you, Tim. I think I know this question is: what? Have you ever eaten there? And have you ever uh, have you ever stayed there? And have you ever eaten there? At the same time? Not necessarily. Um, uh, yes and yes. So have you always stayed in the tower or have, have you ever stayed in one of the garden wing rooms? I hear here's here's what I've been. We, the Contemporary is one of my favorite history resorts. That's a word, right? It is not. Um, we always went for the tower or the tower park side. That was our go to. I never stayed in the garden rooms. I did stay in Bay Lake if we're. Counting that as part of the complex, which was very cool and interesting. Um, eating there many, many times. And, and if I'm going to sneak in a go with me there oh. eating experience <laughs> later in the show. But um, uh, yeah, did you, you and I have uh, uh, hung out together, if I can put it that way, at temporary several times. I don't know what yeah, you're what you're meaning. Yeah, you I, just made that sound way creepier than it probably ever was. So can you clarify for my benefit and the benefit of the listeners? Um we, What we, is the hung met. out in, in 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 air quotes that you're using? <laughs> um, I'm petrified we, by the way. We <laughs> we, <laughs> we met uh hugs were exchanged. There was alcohol somewhere what 
No, we <laughs> met out. No, 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 we met at the outer rim. I'll never forget it. We hung out. Somebody recognized you. They didn't recognize me. My heart was broken. But uh, no, it was all innocent. Timmy, let it. me tell you something. They, he, he, or she did not recognize. Listen. Every meet of the month, people ask me, is little Timmy Foster there? I am going to get you to a meet of the month one of these days I'm soon. I'm coming down, but you got time. Every time I, every time I go you, there, you're in Nevada. You have your you social talk. secretary send me your calendar, and I will schedule a meet of the month around that. Daniel, have you ever stayed there, and have you ever eaten there? Yes. It was actually, like you, it was my first ever Disney experience, my first hotel. So that was, I, I think I'm a little younger than you. I was born in November 17th, 1969, and I used November 17th because it will come back to haunt us in a did you know. Wait a second. Interesting. Oh, Wait, I'm Googling this real quick. Don't, Timmy. Contemporary, November 17th. Wait, here's a did oh, you my, know. Oh, my, wait, there's pictures. Oh, my God. That That's was my great. dad's. Wait a minute. That was my dad's birthday. He was born on the 17th? He was. Really? Yep. Oh, my goodness. That's my birthday, and... Wow. There you wow. Go. And my daughter was born on the 18th, which, as you know, is uh, Mickey Mouse's birthday. Very good. She wanted her own day and she wanted Mickey Mouse's birthday. So there you go. <laughs> um, but I, I also have eaten there uh, many times, but I'm going to save everything. I just want to tell you guys, we've done this for many years and many times that this is the first time I've been strong armed by someone <laughs> Whose first name begins with it. Lou? Why? Why do you treat people? So like listen. That? Let's be clear. Again, we never talk about these ahead of time. However, there was an email exchange, a heated email exchange between Daniel and Timothy about who yeah. was going to get to discuss one item, yeah. which, by the way, was not even on my list. Yeah. Just to be clear. So well, that's a travesty in of itself. Well, right? we'll see. We'll see. Out of respect for Tim. And I'm going to defer to him, and he can go with that. <laughs> well, I would, Dan. Listen, I was going to let you go first because you are you are my guest. But um, if you prefer little Timmy, you are welcome to go first. No, you, no, no, Daniel can go first. You just can't take an idea. That's all. I'm not so going to. You have you it's wide open, Daniel. You have everything except ah, that thing. To, there you go. Okay, listen, you guys. Now, there are a bunch of places to eat and drink at the hotel, and many people will go upstairs to the 15th floor. Is that right? Sure. Okay. Just want to make sure it's still there. Um, But I like a, a place that I consider to be one of the most discreet, atmospheric, and thematically profound lounges in all the world. And I am going to take you guys to the Wave yeah, Lounge. Oh, sing it, brother. Thank you. Love now, that. listen, there are these beautiful, sort of like almost Warhol 1960s concentric purple circles that take you from the lobby into the Wave. And they actually sort of look like the initial entrance into Journey into Your Imagination. Mm-hmm. Hello. I'm with you. I feel you. Okay. Once you get in, there's an incredible, like, semicircle room 
that is really dark and it like if Space Mountain had a bar <laughs> this, and it probably shouldn't for many reasons which I can't say on air but um, if Space Mountain had a bar this would be it it's beautiful they're like velvet seats everything's purple there's lights dangling they have um, a new drink which I've tasted which is called the Seven Seas Lagoon Cocktail Hey now. It is it is 24 ounces. It has two Mickey Mouse straws, which you can take home as souvenirs. It um, has sort of a, a murky blue color to, I guess, mimic the namesake of the drink. It has on the straws two uh, peach, sour peach gummy uh, circles which are sort of like supposed to be life, life savers. Um, in the drink are Swedish fish swimming around in the bottom. And if you get to them, then... That's disgusting. Oh, stop it. No. <laughs> and it's for uh, two. It's a, right? it's a drink for two people. It's a drink for two people. Uh, no, but I would say it's for two or for one or for four. There's also something weird called bursting boba pearls. There are green things that are also sugary and gummy at the bottom. Now, I'm going to give everyone a tip that your Mickey straws cannot get the boba pearls up into your mouth. So you have to scoop them out somehow. The drink is 24 bucks. I'm sorry, 22 bucks. And it has, hold on one second. Oh, it's, believe it or not, it's not that sweet, which sounds crazy, but it's not. Because it uses agave instead of uh, simple syrup or sugar water. It has vodka, coconut rum, lime and pineapple juices, and soda water. And the soda water and the agave totally cut the sweetness. It is amazing. You'll sit there in this sort of violet light and you're like, you just wish that this were the bar at Space Mountain that you always dreamed of. And everyone else is going to Outer Rim or California Grill. This is the place to go, folks. So I dig that. First of all, I love, love, love the wave. Uh, I, I think that the the two, the blue rooms, the the circular blue rooms with that, uh, that you call them the Space Mountain rooms. There, unless there's a convention going on, they're usually pretty empty, so you can always get a seat. I think there's a really – it's very, very quiet in there. You can bring in a bunch of friends. They also have a great uh, bar menu there. They have a bison burger which, there, which is awesome. They have a, a buffalo chicken flatbread and these delicious little pretzels with sweet cream cheese and mustard dips. Like you can get a, a full menu there without having it so you can eat and drink. But I like the idea of – this the Seven Seas Lagoon cocktail with the the dual straws. You can sit there like like Veronica and Jughead together and and drink your drink your drink together. None of you know who Veronica and Jughead are. Gonna, very briefly, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse the tables on you. I have a true or false. Are you ready? No. Okay. True. Is it true or false that the bartender has an eyedropper of fluid? that's taken from the actual Seven Seas Lagoon that he or she puts inside the drink. That's balderdash. That's false. I would say absolutely, unequivocally false. 
I put a hundred bucks on it. Yeah, because there's all kinds of funky Floridian bacteria and stuff floating around in that in that lagoon that I'm sure they do not want to mix into somebody's drink. I tell you something that was just my experience there, but you guys are probably right. Anyway, going on. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it makes for a good story. Exactly. That will make it makes for a good story. So, so the wave is is the the wave yours, or is it really the Seven Seas Lagoon cocktail? Little oh bit my of god, so good. A little bit of both. All right, Timmy Foster, you are next, my friend. Go wherever you'd like to go. Gee, uh, hmm. Wonder what I'll do. <laughs> so. <clears throat> By the way, and I love I've uh, I've sat in that purple blue room many times. It's fantastic, but I just have Tinkerbell punches, so that's okay. They're good. Um, I'm going with my artist sense. Uh, Mondrian, Monet, Manet, uh, Seurat. These are some of my favorite artists. But I will say, my favorite artist of all time is the one, the only, the lovely Mary Blair who is legendary in Disney dumb Disney dumb um, one of her most memorable pieces of work can be found at the contemporary and I am of course talking about the mural in the grand concourse which Daniel's very upset at me about for claiming before he had a chance to talk about it so. <laughs> which I apologize but I guess that I'll, I'll leave this open so we can all talk about it because it's worthy of Lots of discussion because of its enormous. I'm making up words as I go. Enormicity. Mm. Enormicity. How's that? Anyway, this 90 foot tall mural made up of over 18,000 fire glazed tiles um, is a beautiful masterpiece uh, created by Mary Blair that uh, de- depicts the southwestern uh, Native American areas. Uh, of the Grand Canyon, hence the name of the concourse. Um, but it's it's spectacular to look at. There's so much to see from the. Uh, wait, I had a little picture here too. Um, th- there's the animals and trees and bushes and the children and um, not to mention the geometric shapes and the colors that are the hallmark of Mary Blair's work and uh, the. Mural is interesting in most of her work that she was seen at Disney, like the facade of It's a Small World and her conceptual works for Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella and so forth. They're very colorful and she has a great unique color sense. Um, the mural is kind of a departure from her in that it's uh, because of the nature of what it is, had to incorporate more earth tones and whatnot. But you will see if you look closely, there's still so many colors that she uses effectively. There are, besides the blues and oranges, or the browns, oranges, and yellows, there are blues and reds and pinks and greens um, that are very, very cool in how she used them. And, of course, there's her distinctive way of how she portrays children in a non-traditional, whimsical fashion that, brings their innocence to life and it's and it's all children and children animals that you'll see throughout the mural um and one of the things i noticed and it may have been there all this time this is going years years back um but i never noticed it um i swear it's because the concourse steakhouse which i may talk about later on when it used to be there i think this feature of the mural was covered up or at least i never noticed it till the contempo cafe came in on that side of the mural, which actually wraps around the whole column, or the central 
pillar. Uh, you will find tiles with signatures of the artists that worked on them, not the least of which is Mary Blair's Who's on Top, um, which again is a wonderful thing to look at. When I first saw it and realized it was there, it was um, it, it was rather breathtaking. It was this I've, close as I've come to. I've ne never met Mary Blair, of course, and never saw or anything like that but um this was that was her this was her in front of me that was her signature which was amazing um and to the credit of the other artisans that worked with her you'll find their signatures as well um far too many to name and very few that you'll probably recognize but i'm glad to see their names are also recorded there but it is great to see mary blair's signature there um as a stamp on this mural which is a spectacular piece of art and if you go to the contemporary for no other reason, except to eat and drink and do all that stuff you've been talking about, but do check out the mural. Look for it intensely. There's all kinds of hidden things I might let you guys mention if you'd like. Um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of art to look at. And I can't believe, I remember reading a few years ago on a blog. I don't know who it was, and I wouldn't even say who it was. Somebody had the gall to say that they needed to take the mural down because it was dated and not... <laughs> Are you kidding me? You can't. Uh, you, you get to. You take the rest of the contemporary down. Believe the mural there, but that's well, a beautiful piece of work by one of my favorite artists of all time. It's interesting you, that you say that, and I'm happy that you covered the mural. And I love the fact that you mentioned that her name is on it because the Mary Blair and I just for lack of a better word, the Mary Blair mural is one of the few locations anywhere in the Disney parks where an artist can quote unquote sign their work. You know, so much of the art that we see, whether it is inside an attraction, on a facade, a, a painting, whatever, is not signed by the artist, save for a few notable exceptions like the the um, the mosaic in the Castle Breezeway. So I love the fact that, that her name, not specifically her handmade signature, is on that. But it's funny that you mentioned about the murals being dated and, and covering up because it made me think about where else in the Disney parks there was a ginormous... Mary Blair mural, and I don't mean Disney World, but do you guys know, who are, did you ever see the Mary Blair mural in Disneyland? Was it in Tomorrowland? It was, it was in Tomorrowland. Yeah, were the, I didn't see it, but... Nah, but you I, know of it. Yeah, so there were, yeah, there were yeah. gigantic um, uh, Mary Blair, again, the same type of style in terms of the depiction of these children of the world who were singing and dancing and making music... But they were um, they were by sort of where the the um, I'm trying to describe. I'm using my hands as if I can show you where they were. But, <laughs> um, but they sat across from each other when you used to be able to ride the the people mover. They were really high. They were like fifty some odd uh, feet high and like fifteen and a half feet. Uh, sorry, fifteen and a half feet high, and like fifty five feet long. But they were covered over. In I bl I want to say that they were covered over in ninety seven or so ninety seven ninety eight when they sort of did their their new Tomorrowland there there was a new new mural that was put uh, I would assume on top of the old mural um, and then it was eventually replaced by the the Buzz Lightyear mural on that side and on the other side was where the Star Tours mural is so it, the 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 point of that very long story was. 
you know, joking about covering the murals. Unfortunately, it's happened before, and Disneyland guests were able lost the ability to see that beautiful piece of art that Mary Blair had created out there. So, like you, Tim, I hope that the contemporary mural stays there forever. And I don't know if most. I mean, obviously, you can't help but notice it when you're there, but. Um, I just, I don't know if people look at it, um, say, oh, that's cool, and move on, um, not realizing its connection with Mary Blair, who has and her connection with Disney history and how much of a uh, part of uh, the history and the art and the animation of that she was. Hence, how important that mural is in representing the history of Disney. Well, it's not me, just a decoration. So, let me ask you guys, how can because it's so tall, is there any place where one can um, actually see or touch? I know that Mary Blair has her sort of signature a la... Uh, Don't touch it! You can't touch it? Well, I think it's kind of hard. Well, but is there Luke any can't, place, Luke is there, can't touch it. Is there any place... For that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize. Tim, you're such a... Uh, I'm such a jerk, I'm sorry. You're such a mural <laughs> stealer. But it's fine. But honestly, is there any place where, like, I ever bring my daughter next year where she can touch where Mary Blair signed her name um, or touch the murals themselves? I mean, the, the the lower part of the mural is is reachable by normal size human beings. So you can lift her up on your shoulders and, and she can touch it. Okay. You know, if it's just no, sort no. of a ceremonial touching of the mural, it can happen. Yes, be very, very reverent. Now, I will say her... Her signature tile is on the top of oh, so looking at it. one, two, three, four, five, six tiles up, plus one underneath, plus whatever's on the floor. So you can't touch it, but you could possibly photograph it. Well, you can throw something at it, I guess. Oh my god! Of course, you can you can photograph it, but um, and again, I don't know. And Lou, you can correct me because I don't I don't remember seeing this in my early visits to Disney, and I don't know was it? Do you know was it in fact covered up by? the facade of the Concourse Steakhouse and we didn't see it until that was all remade or am I, I just not attentive? I don't believe so. I mean, maybe it was maybe because there was seating there, you couldn't get closer to it, but I don't believe they actually covered any of the mural. I'd, I'd have to go back and see some of the old photos. Yeah, but I, don't I, don't, know. I don't think so. <clears throat> I just remember when I saw it for the first time and having been in that location dozens and dozens of times, I never noticed that before and was, uh, and again, was so knocked out. This was like this being like, you know, having a actual signed Walt Disney paper in front of you. It was, it was kind of a that brush of greatness, which was fantastic. So, all right. I'm anyway, gonna, I, I'm going to so, go next and I'm trying to decide which direction I want to go. Do I turn back the way back machine and, and talk about something that was in the past based on something that Daniel mentioned or do I do something quick and easy and fun and delicious and go right to food? Oh, no. Well, gee, why don't you cheat and do them both at the same time since you already <laughs> no, did No, you know what? Because Daniel said, oh, no, I will be respectful and I will go All back right. in time. Look, I, I mentioned this briefly during the introduction. I have some of my best memories of Walt Disney World. And I'm going to try and get through this without getting choked up because my fondest memories were staying at the Contemporary Resort and – you know, the park obviously closed at a certain time. And the one thing about Disney is my parents and I always felt safe there. So if I wanted to go and wander the resort or hop on the monorail, they could do it. 
and one of my favorite and still oft missed places anywhere in Walt Disney World was the Fiesta Fun Center, which was yes. located currently where the wave sits. Now, actually, it was not there on opening day. It was not there as part of the uh, opening of uh, the Contemporary. That location was actually a, a convention space known as the Sunshine State Exhibitorium, which was right off the lobby. And it wasn't until, I think, about uh, 70... I want to say 72 or 73 that it actually opened as the Fiesta Fun Center. And um, there's so much that I remember about this. And I'm hoping somebody that listens remembers it as well because it had, it was huge. Now think about how big the wave was. That entire space was filled with arcade games and mechanical games. Uh, At some point, I think in the... um, and I think when it first opened, I think it had a shooting gallery. It had a huge shooting gallery. And I remember on the back wall, there was sort of this medieval-looking rock formation with a wooden door. And then there was another scene next door that almost looked like a bar. And there was a scene to the left. And there was all kinds of stuff like a chest on the floor that you could shoot. And it was like a dollar or whatever it was to to play um, there was skee-ball, there was video games, there was also a theater that they had in the back where you could watch Disney films. I remember going to see, I think I saw The Love Bug. I don't know why The Love Bug is sticking out. And again, it was like a dollar to go in. Oh, no, that's what, the movie theater was there first, and then it was replaced, I think, by the shooting gallery. I might have my, my times back and forth. But I remember, like much of the contemporary, it was bathed it was drenched in reds and oranges and sort of burnt browns i mean colors that just sort of screamed 1970s um there was a huge um there was a mural uh, by the entrance that was um created by bill justice and i remember there was um the three caballeros were in there as well and some of the characters from the mickey mouse review and this was here until about 2000 Man, I want to say seven or eight or so when the the wave finally opened and they moved the arcade upstairs to the Grand Canyon Concourse um, um, upstairs. And if if you wanted a snack now, obviously, there's a Contempo Cafe as well. Um, I could wax poetic about the time and the hours and the memories and the quarters that I spent at the Fiesta Fun Center. But that for me, the next time you go into the wave, picture that area as a huge arcade with games and skee-ball and theater and and shooting gallery and snack bar and how many other kids like me made so many good memories for so many years downstairs. It's awesome. I love it. That reminds me of something. But I'll wait my turn. Which is now. No, it's my turn. No, it's not his turn. No, go ahead. Look, Daniel, I'm trying to look out for you here. You see what's happening? I know. Thank you. Anyway, I want to second that because the my first visit to Disney World, I, it was either 1979 or 1980. I just don't know, and I think I'm a little younger than um, than Lou. But we say Listen, that's contempt- twice you've said it. Clearly, you're younger than me. Yeah, I'm I know. The I, we're, we're, there's a <laughs> right. if you want me to just come out and acknowledge it, I was born. <laughs> 
August 2nd, 1968. Do the math. So All right, I'm November 17, 1969. So I'm a seven year old boy trapped in a 40, however year old, 48 year old body. Exactly. So I remember the Fiesta Fun Center so well. It was the first time they actually served what are the, the drinks and the sort of plastic ceramic orange cups? Orange juice and the orange mm-hmm. looking. Yep. They were there. I remember it so well. I remember the movie theater. I remember all that stuff. But for my next one, I'm going to do Did You Know? Did You oh, Know? No. <laughs> oh, no. Did you know? Uh, I call little Timmy Foster now LTF. Did you know LTF? Why do you call? You know, you called me that once and it took me 20 minutes to figure out what you were saying. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Did you know Mr. Foster? Yeah. At a November Why am I on the. Oh, would you stop I... interrupting him? I want to hear the story. All right, I got, I got, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. On November 17th, a yeah. big day for me and a big day for Mr. Mangello. November 17th, 1973, at the yeah. Contemporary Hotel, that our president, Richard Nixon, gave the I am not a crook speech. Get out of here. No, sir. I will not. He did. I didn't it mean was, It was 18 months before the Watergate scandal. He was in the ballroom. I forget what it's called. Um because Lou and I were only three and four. We couldn't, we weren't very good at, uh, at representing the event. But he gave that speech because someone there in the audience, he was um, in Key Biscayne to uh, address someone. He came there, Key Biscayne to, to uh, sorry, it's the Ballroom of the Americas that he said, when people asked him about his public service, he said, I have earned every cent, and in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. People have to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. And he resigned shortly after. But that happened at the contemporary. And then he's also uh, an animatronic at the Hall of Presidents. Well, there. Yeah. I think that's incredible because the, the contemporary is so 70s, and there's nothing more 70s than Nixon. Well, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's like the, I find that amazing. That we, should do, we should do a, a, a top 10 list of historic events, historic non-Disney events that happened on Disney property. I am oh not a crook. It was the Beatles the, broke up at the Polynesian. There you go. There's my that's favorite. those two are huge. Anyway, that's my second one, and I will now go over to my best friend Tim. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> LTN. Um, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, which? Uh, wait, I knew which one I was going. With. Um. Oh, I remember. Well, you're kind of, you, you kind of. I'm gonna follow in your footsteps a little bit, um, but Lou, I'm gonna the the one you said, Lou, about that game room thing you were talking about. Um, I have just piggybacking on that one. I have a fond memory of that in the reverse manner, in that uh, when it moved up to the fourth floor, it replaced the gift shop 
which I believe was called Fantasia, if mm-hmm. my memory serving me correctly. Um, my memories, fond young memories of the contemporary, revolve around that store because uh, that was one of my daughter's favorite places to go shopping. And we were actually very sad when the arcade came up and took its place and transformed the fourth floor and so forth. But it's funny you, you were saying that because my memories of that are of the same thing, but from the other side of the point, which is kind of cool. So. But following on Daniel's things, I was going to talk about the one of the things I think is most fascinating about the contemporary in conjunction with a lot of things at Walt Disney World of a nostalgic bent, and we've talked about this on a few shows before, is there is... Uh, lot of history, a lot of, I'll say mythology, but a lot of uh, um, uh, well, uh, miscomprehensions, things you think you know are true but aren't, um, s- stories about the contemporary. More than any other resort at Walt Disney World, this has a lot of anecdotes and trivia that go along with it. One of the biggest ones Myths, that's the word I was trying to look for. And we did this when we talked about some of our favorite myths of Walt Disney World. Um, one very well known, probably everybody knows it, but the idea that when the Contemporary was built, the rooms themselves were built off-site and were slid into place, um, so to speak, like they were at the Polynesian. The idea being that they could be taken out and remodeled if necessary. That part of which was never true, but was believed by many people for many, many years. It probably is still believed by a lot of people now. Um, but um, it's it's just one of the things that the contemporary has so many cool stories that go with it, like Cinderella Castle does and things like that. Again, unlike um, pretty much any other of the Disney resorts, which are newer and don't have that much history to them. Um, one of the other things back towards and you threw one out there daniel which is pretty cool a cool fact about contemporary that nobody knew or um that not many people know one of my favorites and if my boat captain is to be believed and i'm putting a lot of faith in this boat captain as we were going from the wilderness lodge over to the contemporary um the first two resorts to open at walt disney world were the polynesian and contemporary but which one was first i'm throwing that out there to you guys I think it was a contemporary. Well, if my story is to be believed, Lou's not saying anything because he knows this. I know. <laughs> Polynesian was the first to open its doors um, to the public when Walt Disney World Resort opened, it's and sep- it was, huh? It's seventy and seventy-one. Yeah. Uh, now. For the contemporary, people, you had to wait a pretty long time to get to when the contemporary was actually had its grand opening and let people in its stores. You had to wait a long, torturous 45 seconds. But um, technically, that put the contemporary as the second Disney resort to open with the Polynesia being the first. Although, let's be frank, they open simultaneously and are the first two. So that's another tale of the contemporary and again whether it's true or not i don't know i heard it from my boat captain it may be total nonsense like the rooms were but um that's you know what tim i'm sorry to interrupt but yeah i've I've read so many things and i've seen videos and stuff that are compelling about 
the story of the rooms being modular. Yeah. I, I saw them, at least in the video. Are you saying that they weren't modular? That they were? No, no, no. no. May, may that, I? May I? May I help? May I help out here? No, I, I'm going to. I can, clar- <laughs> I can clarify this. No, the, rooms don't know where, were, right the rooms were modular in the sense that they were built. Lou, Lou will correct everything I say that's going to be wrong. But the rooms were built separately, modularly, and were slid in. That part is true. The part that okay. became legend was that part of the reason they did that was though they could later take them out if they needed to, if they were going to remodel them or what have you. And, and that's, the part, well, that's the part that was never true. They weren't ever intended to be pulled out again, not to mention it would be frankly impossible, cost prohibitive, make no sense at all and that sort of thing. But the story grew that that's, that was part of the reasonings that they could slide them in and slide them back out again, which obviously they never did, even though the contemporary has been remodeled many times. So I, I guess the story came because people assumed, well, if they slid in, they can slid out. So somebody maybe put two and two together and went from there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So how's that? Did I do okay? That That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I, I want to just jump in and, and touch on a couple of things. So you, the first thing is you heard the, the rumor from your boat captain – like, it's totally wrong. Oh, captain, my captain. Like, yeah. <laughs> so all right. Let let a couple of things. So, in terms of of which ones, which resort opened up first? I'm gonna here's a codicil, former lawyer term, to add on to that. Did you know that when the contemporary opened, it wasn't finished? When the, on October first, <gasps> if you look at pictures of of the contemporary from October first. Like the castle, many months out of the year, there were cranes all over it because it hadn't finished. Because if you remember, U.S. Steel was the contractor who uh, was brought in to build the the Welton Beckett design. Disney got so worried that they weren't going to be able to finish it that they bought out the contract earlier in the year. And Disney took over the installation of the rooms and the oper- and actually the operation of the plant itself where the rooms were being built. So they had let go a whole bunch of contractors. They had to bring them back in. And Dick Nunes, who had fired a lot of these construction crews, brought them back in, built them off-site, and then slid them into place. Here's a little another fun fact. The estimate that U.S. Steel had for the cost of the rooms was about $15,000, $17,000. What do you think the individual cost per room was to construct? $500,000. Oh, you're ridiculous. It was $100,000 per room. <laughs> well, well. Right? They were able to, they got, they, they slid in about 15 rooms per day. But to your point, and this is the thing that always baffled me about the rumor about them being able to slide in and slide out. First of all, it, it makes no logistical sense because anybody who has ever built anything knows that once you put them in there, it, it, they, they settle, they sink, everything just sort of gets you know compacted in. They were permanently enclosed by the exterior part of the structure and the walls and the balconies themselves. And they it just wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make any financial sense at all that it would be cheaper to bring in cranes and all kinds of heavy construction work to pull out a room as opposed to just getting people in there to change a sink, change a toilet, and change wallpaper, right? It was modular construction, not modular, you know, um, I can't even think of the word, 
it, it's modifiable not, modification. Exactly, because it. that would have been the selling point. This, the, the, the thing that they really would have highlighted is not only did we build this modularly, but we can update it however we want to every decade and just swap in new rooms. That would have been the thing to sort of like look at what a, a um, modern type of building this is. So how that rumor and how that urban legend came to be and grew may have come from the oh captain my captains but but was obviously <laughs> never part no, of the intention like, at all it's it's totally hardware like there's hardware but there's you you can only update the software right That's it. so there you go okay. just it was not a uh, it was not a correction it was just i wanted to embellish the story a little bit and oh, if, you wanna, if you want if you want to see pictures of it I keep referring to my first and still my favorite ever Walt Disney World book, and I don't necessarily mean Guide to the Magic.com. It was hey. the story of Walt Disney World, the 1971 book. It was a big, thin, flat, black-covered book in the shape of the old Walt Disney World D. That is the book that I read. Oh, like That is the one that, that, that grew my love and passion for Disney. And some of the photos you can find in there um, of, of the, the construction days – are just spectacular. So, sorry, I get all excited about Wait, this. Wait, I have a book like that. I'm looking at it now. I should have looked at this book when I was doing research. Yeah, it would have helped. No. Well, <laughs> oh my goodness. Silly, I'm kidding. I kid because I, all right. So listen, because shocker, we're running long. I'm going to try and do the next one. I do is going to be a quick one. It's going to be a quick but delicious one because I need to start bringing it back around food. Because one of my favorite memories and it continue to this day experiences, it's not a transportation system, it, it's a, uh, it is an attraction, it's not a floor wax, it's a dessert topping. I love the monorail so much so that did you know, to put it as a, as a Danielism, did you know that you can actually buy and eat a chocolate monorail? Only one place ah, in Walt Disney World. Ah, that was one of mine. My and family. I'm going to let Daniel. He's <laughs> good at that. Now you know my pain. Oh, I thought you know. nobody was going to go to the food. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, anyway, we'll share this one, Daniel. Like we would share our You're white. Better at this than me, you go. We will you... share our white chocolate monorail uh-huh. served oh, with gourmet God. truffles. But you can only get it, and this is why we're going to have a, a room party in little Timmy's room. Room service. Room service, baby. I love the fact that you can get this this icon in white chocolate, which isn't really chocolate format, with some truffles on a beautifully decorated plate. I think it's $40, $45, but that is a nice little treat. So maybe I'll send one to Timmy Foster's room, and then I will come up, photograph it, and eat it. <laughs> Warn me first, please. And I and I, and Daniel, I'm sorry that, that I took that, yours. That's sorry, okay. Daniel. So I actually tasted it. It's amazing because inside the white chocolate is like molten dark or dark chocolate. It's an extraordinary thing. You don't know whether to eat it or somehow freeze it, cryovac it, and take it home. It's a beautiful dessert. It is forty five bucks. Um, it's really attractive. If your kids are hungry, they will destroy it. It's like King Kong on the monorail. It's not good. <laughs> anyway, moving on. But it's a wonderful dessert. It really is. But yeah, you can only get it in a room at the Contemporary. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. All it's right, amazing. moving on. It is back to you, my friend. 
Which friend? Me? You. That ain't, I ain't his friend. It's you. You wasn't talking about me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Should we start doing um, things we wish or no? I still have more on my list. I have some some secrets, I and, I, and I know you have some things that you I want to topic. add on. So I have I have a very I have a brief. Um, did you know? Go for it. Did you know that when the contemporary was built, that there was a path between. Um, Tomorrowland and the hotel that would lead you directly back to the hotel and that ideally the path would have some sort of uh, some sort of people mover that you would get on I've read this by the way Lou so and I <laughs> go ahead and, you, you got it so far all right that there would be some way to get from Tomorrowland directly back to the Contemporary Hotel so that you could, if you were a guest of the Contemporary in 1971, you would wake up, you go downstairs, you would, uh, instead of taking the monorail, you would go on this special path that was, um, that was, it was like a moving stairwell or something, and you would end up right in front of Space Mountain. Did you know? I did know, and tell me now, do you know what the why is? Why was that path there? Um, to make this moment of Daniel on the show more interesting. Exactly. Also, because we know that the, the location of the Contemporary Resort, originally supposed to be known as the Tempo Bay Resort, was positioned where it was, much like the Polynesian and eventually the Grand Floridian. Why? Because they were to tie into the lands that they were so closely, uh, that the, the, the proximity they were most closest to. So the idea was that this was a bit of an extension of Tomorrowland, and that's why you can only see this resort only from Tomorrowland. And if you ride on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority Wedway People Mover, as you approach Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress and look to the left in the former, the, the former Skyway station, you can look through the trees and see the contemporary right from there because it's meant to be sort of an extension or a connection to that land specifically. Let me ask you this. Do you think that of any hotel, of any of the resorts um, in Walt Disney World, that this one has the best views? Does it have no. the best views? Um, of the Magic Kingdom. Well, of Magic oh, well, Kingdom. Oh, now you, now you <laughs> knocked out. Right. <laughs> because I, you could make an argument that Boardwalk and Beach Club and Yacht Club have some pretty amazing views. Um, I, I think with the new tower that we are hearing is going to be built, that is going to potentially have some incredible... I mean, you know, views are... A subjective term because what is it that you want to look at? Do you want to look at? Look, I, I think right now that the Copper Creek cabins at Wilderness Lodge have some of the most beautiful views on property because that outdoor um, L-shaped covered patio area with the little splash pool hot tub thing has some pretty spectacular views in it of itself. Yeah, but there is something to be said for looking out your room, being up on the breezeway by the um, um, I was going to call it the top of the World Supper Club, but being at the top of California Grill and being able to look at over the fireworks is pretty spectacular as well. I will tell you, I think to Daniel's point, in that 
yes, there are spectacular views of the Magic Kingdom. The the most spectacular views of the Magic Kingdom. I remember staying there many times, and we'd have the two double queen beds and the pull-out sofa. I would pull the sofa over to the windows <laughs> and sleep there all night long so I could look at the castle. Oh, that's so cute. Which were spectacular views. And uh, I I remember watching the fireworks from my my room, not up at California Grill or wherever where the music's piped in, but um, in my room where there wasn't a music piped in. But I was fortunate enough to have this CD of The Music of Wishes, and I tried to play it and sync it just at the right time, and it sort of worked. That was pretty cool, so... And yeah, I almost, Dan, yes, 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 spectacular, spectacular views. I Magic would King. also, I think you could make an argument that the Grand Floridian might, there's a possibility it could trump that because you do have the water, you've got the castle right there, you have the beautiful sunsets. And to that point, I would say the Asian, Persian, Venetian, Mediterranean, and or Wilderness Junction also would have had some beautiful well, views as well, but... That's another show for another day. Actually, I did that show already. If I built an 80-foot tower in the middle of Fantasyland, that view would be even more spectacular. <laughs> that's the game. <laughs> so, all right. Is it so, Tim? Is it is it your um? Is it Mercer? Is it your? Yeah. What? Wait. What did Daniel? Oh, you no, did the Tomorrowland. Yeah. We we trampled. I'm sorry. We trampled over that. So, I have a couple, but I'm going to try and go quick. Um, I'll just go Christmas. Yay, that's it. All right, Lou, your turn. Go ahead. What All right, this? I'll expand on that a little bit. So. You can take you can take 30 <laughs> seconds. Go ahead. All right. Uh, we've talked and talked and talked about Christmas so many times, you and me, Lou. Um, Christmas at a contemporary is a little different than Christmas at uh, most of the other resorts. Uh, we talked many times about uh, one of the great things to do during the holidays is take a monorail tour of the Magic Kingdom resorts and see all the different trees and Christmas decorations between the Polynesian and the Grand Floridian and a contemporary. Now, and, and the Wilderness Lodge, if you're willing to take a little boat ride. Um, admittedly, the contemporary, at first glance, isn't as spectacular as the other resorts in that it doesn't have a lobby that's for five, six, seven stories tall. Hence, when you walk into the lobby, there's a gratuitous little Christmas tree there, and it's nice. But it's not on the scale of the ones that you would find at the Wilderness Lodge or the Grand Floridian. Yet, the home of the, if my math is correct, the home of the tallest Christmas tree in Walt Disney World is, in fact, at the Contemporary, but it's outside. And if you manage, and if it's not too cold, and it never gets cold in Florida, um, to wander outside during the holiday season um, the contemporary and see the tree. You'll see it. It's towers up over 70 feet tall. It's truly amazing to look at up close. You obviously can see it from uh, far away as you're driving, going by the contemporary on a bus, or uh, I would think you could see it from the monorail, I'm sure. Um, so that's one of the cool things at Christmas about the contemporary that's different from the other resorts. It has a spectacular tree, but you have to go outside to see it. But what is inside that is spectacular is up on the fourth floor in the Grand Concourse and is the Christmas display that's put up in front of the mural. And while the most famous gingerbread house arguably can be found at the Grand Floridian in its lobby, um, 
the contemporary boasts uh, usually boasts a gingerbread tree, which consists of, and I'll rattle this off real quick, 136 pounds of honey, 211 pounds of flour, 101 eggs, 27 pounds of spice, 15 pounds of sugar syrup, and lots of other ooey-gooey stuff. And a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, and a partridge in a pear tree. Um, it's spectacular to look at. It, um, the decorations around it take on the uh, style of Mary Blair and the mural and It's a Small World and so forth. Um, in the last few years, it's uh, been transformed into the frozen gingerbread treehouse display with the, the characters from Frozen in there, too. And I think you could get frozen cookies and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, Not to mention the humongous, probably the biggest in the world, Mickey Mouse wreath that is hung up on one of the ends of the Grand Concourse on the wall. Although I don't think I saw it last year. I don't know why. Um, or the year before. But uh, that's truly amazing sight, either inside or outside when it's all lit up, especially at night. So Christmas at the Contemporary, it's different from the other resorts in a way, um, but uh, because of its uniqueness and uh, contemporary feel, if I may say so, it's uh, definitely one to check out on your tour of the Magic Kingdom resorts at Christmas time. So. I love that. However, you left um, out the biggest Christmas <gasps> secret of them all. Oh my God. Uh, the, uh, they... they Put red and green no, lights on. No, no, no. This is serious. This is this is no. something that you will not likely find in a guidebook. You won't find it necessarily. I don't even know it's on the the. I guess it's probably on the Daily Times guides. But did you know that at and in the Disney's Contemporary Resort, you can watch and hear a live holiday concert for free. Whoa! So during the holidays. Um, just outside of the Fantasia gift shop, facing towards Magic Kingdom, where the, the giant glass wall is, um, oftentimes throughout the, I guess it's late afternoon, early evening, they have a choir come in and sing holiday songs and carols like in a full concert. Like you can go and sit there, and I think it probably lasts maybe a half hour or so, I only know this because I caught it by accident last year and it was beautiful. Like wow. it was wonderful. And it was one of those things that there was no crowd because nobody knew about it. So it wasn't until they started to gather or until they started to sing that people started to gather around this wonderful choir. So if you've never heard it before, if you happen to be there, grab yourself a piece, uh, uh, grab yourself a shingle, grab yourself a little bit of gingerbread and go over and please check out the beautiful Christmas holiday concert. That's fantastic. Wow. And we've talked about that a lot of times where you've, you've, of discovering something at, well, you think you've seen it all, but you come across something you never knew was there. And there you go. And we that's about, the and whole point. And there's another one. That's there's the whole point one. of this show. So there's I am magic going to, everywhere. I am going to wrap. Watch what I'm going to do here. And if I can get these segues Wait, right. we're not the, done yet. Hold on. <laughs> no, we're not done because I have – didn't you say we could have? I love the fact that, oh, wait, that you guys are telling me when when I'll tell you when we're done or not, Mangello. <laughs> when you were chosen, all right. I'm all right, going I, to I'm going really to connect a number of different ones uh, together, and of course, because Lou Mangello, I've got to bring it back around to food because you it's not necessarily a secret, but you may or may not have known that. At Disney's Contemporary Resort, you can have brunch 
with a view. And it, it's only been around for about or a year or so. I think it began about February or March of 2016. But you actually can have brunch at the California Grill. And unlike a traditional brunch, this is this is one that because it has the open air kitchen, um, you can really sort of interact with the culinary team as well. Now, obviously, there is an amazing array and display of different kinds of food. There's live piano. There's a, a, a uh, there's a live um, uh, a pianist and a bassist that's up there. But they have um, buttermilk chicken cutlets sweet potato pancakes, shrimp and grits. They have poached lobster benedict uh, frittatas. They have sushi and sushi, a charcuterie, a pastry board. It's from t- only on Sundays from 10 to 1. It's $80 for adult, $48 for kids. And did you know they also have your own make-your-own-bloody-mary bar? So you go oh. up there. Oh, right. I'm not speaking your language now. This is a nice Sunday morning treat. You go <laughs> and you walk through and include all of the ingredients that you would like at the Bloody Mary bar as part of your day, as part of your morning, a beautiful Sunday morning. I'm going to have to do this and do a live dining review. If only I could find somebody who's willing to go with me. But speaking of things like Bloody Marys and Bloody Mary bars. Dad, did, did you notice he didn't let either one of us answer right there? No, I know. He's very. <laughs> Tim, right, if it's not you. Golden Corral, you don't eat there. So I'm, I've, I've given up on that. That's beside the, the point. The top 10 counter going... service restaurant. There's lots of top 10s that I'm unfortunately going to need to do without you because you don't eat anywhere. <laughs> oh. It's listen. Well, I'm. I... But All wait, right, I'll, you, I'll you, you blew the segue, but that's okay, because what I'm, I'm talking sorry. about I'm sorry. The, the Bloody Mary bar that's there. Maybe you're not a Bloody Mary. Did you know, Daniel I want Roberts, a mimosa. did you know that at one point they used to have free, free beer tastings at the Wave? No. They used to have, I believe it was on Saturday or Sunday um, early afternoons, they had freer beer tastings for uh, own, but it was only for guests of the wave for a number of years. So, and, and not to sort of continue to bring this around the alcohol and the drinking because you can go and enjoy things that are non-alcoholic. Did you also know that the contemporary had the original and at one point the only bar on property? No. Yes. And you know what it was called? What was, it was the it was the upstairs bar. Yes. Where the where Outer where Rim the, currently sits. Oh let me gosh, take you let me take you back a number of years to the monorail club car. Which was Oh my god. It was the monorail <laughs> club car. And and fun fact, Sully Sullivan was once a bartender there. If you go back and listen to show number 39, at the two-digit number, th- show 39, my interview with Whoa. Sully Sullivan, I think we may have even talked about it, but it was the only sort of real bar there. And there was no TV, no entertainment, there was no nothing. It was just a place to go and have a drink together. And they had all kinds of drinks that were um, that were themed to... The resort itself. So there was a Bay Lake Hurricane, a Blackbeard's Grog, a Moon Rover, right? Because it was supposed to be such a, a modern contemporary resort. They had a, a the Great Grand Canyon because it was known as the Grand Canyon Concourse. And then a number of years later, 
they had um, sort of a fleet of drinks. They had a monorail red, a monorail pink, a monorail purple, and a monorail yellow. And one of them was like a champagne drink, one was a fruit drink, one was a tequila drink, one was a uh, rum drink. And it wasn't until um, around 87 or so where it was removed and they used some of that space for uh, retail and then it eventually became the Outer Rim Lounge and stuff like that. Um, and you can actually get some of those same types of drinks now up at the top of the World Lounge at Bay Lake Tower. Mic drop. Boom. I'm out. Okay. I'm going to – can I do another one? Please. No. Yes. Timmy, you stole – Yeah. What? You kidnapped what? Mary Blair. And you know you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it quick. Let's go quick. Let's go rapid fire. Bang, bang, bang. Here's my rapid fire. Oh, wait. Lou, Lou's got to go to bed. All right. Hurry up. Here's my rapid fire things I wish that were there. Okay. Here it is. The first thing is I would love if the contemporary didn't decide who it is, what its persona is. Is it 22nd century? Is it 20th century? So I would love. For there to be a bunch of rooms that are like Buck Rogers, 1950s, <laughs> the future by way of the past that are, you know, where room service is served by Martians with green heads and stuff like that. Everything is anachronistic. There are weird phones that weird TVs weird everything that someone in the 1950s would find very futuristic. Really kitschy, really cool, very cool. And then the second bank of rooms would be sponsored by our friend Bob Iger's Apple Corporation. That would be the future by way of the future. That would Did include... you say Bob Iger's Apple Corporation? Well, he's affiliated. Okay, interesting. I was just wondering if that was some sort of uh, conjecture or foreshadowing, but please continue. <laughs> I don't own any stock. That is my daughter. Lou does, so it's fine. Moving on. But you would have you would have rooms that would can change every year, every six months, to reflect the most modern, modern stuff, and they would be truly contemporary. So you'd have one set, like a wing of rooms that would be crazy beautiful Buck Rogers, Isaac Asimov fiction from the 50s and the other room would be these, you know, VR and uh, artificial reality and the the most up-to-date stuff sponsored by Apple or whomever. (laughs) So that's my one wish and I'm going to do one last one before I sign off. The other one is, is this. Started to do for two, but uh, Tim stole. So, well, not, it's fine. Hold on. I'm going to do one last one, and this is it. That we have a Star Wars affiliation, and the most incredible thing from the 70s, from 1977, for a bar or restaurant, is the cantina in Star Wars. Imagine that bar staffed. With, with cast members in costume in the contemporary, but it's back to the 1977 scene in Star Wars, A New Hope. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play devil's advocate and, and ask you two questions. 
I'll go in reverse order. Why not? We're going to have that type of experience we expect in the upcoming Star Wars land. So why would you put it in a resort that did not necessarily entirely reflect Star Wars, where all of those creatures and aliens can live? And going back to your first point about the themed rooms, I dig it. It, It's an interesting concept, but I think that would work better in a resort that is not the contemporary. Look, I, I think there is something nostalgic and kitschy and classic and screams old vintage Walt Disney World to me with the contemporary. And if you start sort of trying to make it a mishmash of themes, it loses a little bit of that that charm, right? And I think that's what the contemporary, maybe because I stayed there so often as a kid, it has. Because now it's like, well, no, I want the Buck Rogers room. No, I want the little Timmy Foster room, which God only knows what that would look like. But instead of having to pick those type of themes, dude, that's a creepy laugh, man. Don't ever do that again. Daniel, stop it. I think that we will see the Star Wars cantina in Star Wars land where it belongs. And I and I think the I think the contemporary needs to remain um, the Tempo Bay, the modern version of the Tempo Bay Resort. All right, can I can I chime in on these ideas? Please. Now? So, Daniel, I think your ideas are absolutely brilliant. Don't listen to what he said. I Thanks. think they're fantastic. Although, if I'm in that cantina bar and somebody taps me on the shoulder and says I he doesn't like you, I'm running the other way. Fast. Star Wars people get that. I know you do. <laughs> I don't like you either. Go ahead. Jeez. Um. No, I think those are fantastic. Only I, one more little tidbit I'll throw in, and then, Lou, you can do your 37 other what you do. Um, one thing uh, I always thought was cool about the contemporary was you have your ticket transportation center, or transportation ticket center. I can never get that straight. But I always thought it was contemporary as the ticket transportation center part two. But really, if only if you're staying at the Wilderness Lodge or the campground. But um, I think, and I was furiously going through my head, hoping I do have this little factoid right that I literally just made up. I believe the Contemporary is the only Walt Disney Reserve, Walt Disney World resort that offers you not one, not two, not three, but four ways to get to a theme park. Oh, you can walk there too. You can walk. You can monorail. You can bus, and you can convoluted boat if you wanted to. Um, and of course the contemporary is one corner of the trifecta of Fort Wilderness, Wilderness Lodge, contemporary boat ride, which is one of those fantastic non-attraction attractions of Walt Disney World that we talked about before. And, uh, that's it. Okay. I, I do not, in, in the, in the interest of trying to keep our 10 to as far past 10 as we are, I... The the thing that I will only do that I will share, because we're talking about the secrets and maybe things that you didn't know. You know, one of the things that we had sort of mentioned was the changes over the years. Right? We talked about how the the original this tiny little area that they used for convention space eventually grew into an entire convention center in Walt Disney World, but. The Grand Canyon Concourse, the fourth floor of the resort, which really, you know, if you think about it, when this opened in 1971, it, it looked very different. It almost looked like a modern version of a shopping mall, which was a relatively new type of concept for there. 
But I want to just bring you back in time to some of the different types of shops that you could find there. There was a men's clothing store, a women's clothing store. You could actually rent tuxedos there in the contemporary man, which is what it was called, because you wanted to get dressed up for when you went upstairs to the top of the world supper club to watch Phyllis Diller or, you know, Jerry Vale sing and entertain you because that's where adults went at night. That was their sort of escape and getaway. There was a jewelry shop there. There was a um, a sundry shop there. But one of the most interesting was a place called, and I love this name, it was called the Spirit World, which was a um, a liquor store. But I just dug the fact that it was called the Spirit World. I've, I have never been able to find a, a photo of it, but I'm like, oh, please, like somehow theme this to what... Uh, the Haunted Mansion or something in Liberty Square, which I would have thought would have been epic. But for those of you who were there, like me, in the 70s, see if dining locations like some of these ring a bell or if you have any photos. Coconino Cove was a lounge that was there in the mid 80s. It was also known as the Coconino Grove, too. There was the Concourse Steakhouse, which was at one point yes. the best steakhouse. Oh, on my favorite. Pro- my favorite. Right? That place was great. It really was. Yeah. Um, there was the Gulf Coast Room, which was um, one of, again, it was a, um, again, think back to the 70s, you know, and I miss this to a certain degree. I miss dressing for dinner. All right. I miss going back and sort of putting on something like this. The, uh, the Gulf Coast Room was one of the few restaurants other than Top of the World where men had to have a jacket. And I think now I don't think there's any place. I think maybe Victorian Alberts. I think you maybe you still need to have a jacket for for dinner there. Um, there was a Pueblo room, which is where um, it's now part of Chef Mickey's, the Terrace Buffeteria, the Terrace Cafe, and of course the Top of the World and Top of the World Supper Club. And I go down that road and I go back to that that nostalgia and that vintage in terms of not necessarily something you can see now, but you know the history of this resort to me from its design and construction to uh, how it's changed over the years is fascinating. And I, and I love that, you know, we as guests, as we go back, we pick up, oh, remember when this used to be there? Remember what, you know, what, what else used to be there as well and how things have changed. Um, and, and look, these are clearly not the only secrets and stories and hidden treasures of the contemporary. I actually have more, which I won't share now, including, by the way, where to find some of the most comfortable and private lounge chairs and couches anywhere in Walt Disney World. I know, I know. Teasing. Dot, dot, dot. Is it the cabana? But (laughs) I would like to know from you, our friend, the listener, what is your favorite secret of the contemporary? What's your favorite little hidden treasure? What's your favorite story? What's your favorite detail? Whatever it might be. I would love to hear from you. Please go to facebook.com slash radio. Leave a comment there in this week's show, or you can go to www.radio.com. Comment right there in the show notes. I'll also link to some other past episodes, including um, episode 472, where we do a live review of the Contempo Cafe, episode 370, where we talk about some of those extinct restaurants of Walt Disney World. I think there's still a video of me floating around 
fishing from the contemporary boat dock and taking out one of the little sea racers, and I'll try and find those and link them up there. Uh, Daniel Roberts, my friend, I want to thank you again for your friendship and the love and the support and generosity towards the Dream Team. And to me personally, it is always a pleasure to have you here, and you are always welcome back, my friend. Thank you, guys. I love it. And little Timmy Foster, we know that they can find what? you at celebrationspress.com, but I just have this yeah. feeling that there's something more that you want there's to share. There's more. There might be more. Well, there's a couple things. Um, I, th- this is his, not his story. This is me at this moment. I'm putting myself on the line because if I say this, this means I have to do it. I was talking about Christmas and uh, people who hopefully they know we've done a Christmas book. We did a second Christmas book. Dare I say a third Christmas book what? will be in the offing this year. Awesome. Stay tuned. And now that I've said that and everyone heard me say that, I have to start making it. So, But I, I promise that will be true. Or see it, find us on Facebook at Celebrations Mag is whatever our Facebook page oh, <laughs> I don't run it. I don't know. Or stop, send us an stop. The, listen, listen, I'm going to help well, you out. And I'm sure people say this about me too. The less you talk, the better you will do. So no, just, no, no, just no. say find but us on like, Facebook. As a guest host, I'm going to Find us on Facebook. Oh. Find us on Twitter. And... You'll love it because it's going to be filled with magnificent stop. pictures. This is, you see? Own facts and so forth. You, and, uh, you need to stop. Shame on us for not talking about it. And I'm going to stop talking right now because my time is up. <laughs> and don't forget, I got that kid's book, too. So go get that. My head hurts. <laughs> anyway, listener, if you're still listening, thank you so much. I want to hear your favorite secret story, hidden treasure, whatever it might be, at Disney's Contemporary Resort, past, present, or in the future. Timmy and Daniel, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Lou. You're awesome. I love you, Timmy. I love you, Lou. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online forum for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I took you over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, specifically Toy Story Midway Mania, and your question was simply to tell me, before the game actually begins, you get uh, sort of a practice round, and what is it that you practice throwing before the game really begins? Thanks to the hundreds of you that entered, got this one correct, you have either been practicing quite a bit and your shoulders probably hurt as a result of it, because you know that before your game starts, you practice throwing pies. So I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, last week you were playing for my 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, both which you can find in the WW Radio shop, by the way, (laughs) a WW Radio Magic Band 2.0 cover, some stickers, and a brand new, not available in stores, 
WW Radio Pop Socket Phone Holder and Mount. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Catherine Fredericks. So, Catherine, congratulations. Thank you so much for entering using the form. I have your mailing address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, don't worry about it. Forget it. That was the practice round for you because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So even with the opening of Pandora, the world of Avatar here in Walt Disney World and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout out in Disney California Adventure and the upcoming Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land, we're all still sort of wondering what else is going to be next. What else is where else is, are there going to be additions or upgrades or changes? And one of those places where there is some speculation is possibly coming to Future World in Epcot Center. I actually discuss what I think is happening there and elsewhere on uh, my live video show from the last couple of Wednesdays. You can watch the replays over at facebook.com slash Radio. Click on the videos tab. Let me know what you think about what I speculate might be coming to the parks over the next few years. But one of those locations is Future World and one of the attractions that is rumored for a potential change in the next few years is Ellen's Energy Adventure. So potentially before Ellen and Bill go away, your question is to tell me, when Ellen and Bill are in the helicopter during one of the Universe of Energy scenes, Ellen asks Bill for a very unique and seemingly unnecessary item for their helicopter journey. What is it? Tell me the item that Ellen asks Bill for while they're on their helicopter journey. And I'll even give you a little hint because Bill Nye was just showing Ellen the pros and cons of converting the energy of falling water into electricity known as hydroelectric power. She needs something after that visit. That's what I'm looking for this week. So you have until Sunday, June 11th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, Use the online form there. You can fill out your answer and your shipping address. So if you do win, I will send you all of the items in this week's prize package. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so much for taking the time to tune in and share this and every week. Please don't forget to visit and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. There you can find some new videos, including some 360-degree VR videos from Disneyland, Pandora, and around Walt Disney World. Have lots more coming in the next couple of weeks as well. Also, don't forget that my Momentum Weekend Workshop event in Walt Disney World... October 14th through the 16th will help turn what you love into what you do, whether you are a solopreneur, entrepreneur, blogger, podcaster, whether you are just starting out or want to take things to the next level. It is an intimate workshop limited to just 50 people, have less than 20 seats left, including just two seats available for our optional Mastermind Day. To learn more and to get tickets, visit lumongello.com. I want to welcome and thank some new members of the WW Radio Nation to the family, including Dave Anderson, David Medeiros, Heather Richards, Scott Bradford, and Sean R. Reed. I sincerely appreciate you and all of you who are part of the Nation family. If you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, logo gear, t-shirts, care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more, you can visit www.radio.com support. Again, it's completely optional. 
But don't forget that a portion of your proceeds will go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. All right, a couple of last quick reminders. The purge of my Disney collection is still going on. I list 10 or so new auctions every week on eBay. Visit www.radio.com slash eBay. It's everything from documents to maps to cast member merchandise, pins, vinylmations, and everything in between. Again, new auctions begin and end every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail. I'll be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. You can find, connect, and chat with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Again, don't forget to like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. Of course, I think nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I do monthly meetups every month in Walt Disney World. The next is going to be June 24th, the night before our double dip cruise in the Disney Dream. I'll have details and locations and times about that coming very, very soon. Also, stay tuned for an announcement this week about our special WW Radio post D23 Expo event. We're going to be on the floor. Me and Becky and Mouse Fan Travel are going to be on the floor in the Collectors Forum, broadcasting live at d23expolive.com all three days. But on Monday, July 17th, Disneyland's birthday, we're also planning a special event. Stay tuned for that announcement this week on social, and I'll talk more about it on next week's show. Also, if you visit lumangelo.com, you can find out about some other places that I'll be speaking and maybe doing some meetups as well. And if I could maybe come speak to your conference, your event, to your business, or at your school, you can visit lumangelo.com. Speaking of mouse fan travel, thanks to Becky and her team. Uh, they are my official and recommended travel providers, whether you're going to World Land Cruise, Pandora, or anywhere in between. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. Get a free, no-obligation quote. And remember, all their services are completely free to you. And as always, my friend, and you, you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. If you like this or any other episode, share it on Twitter. Post a link to it on your Facebook wall page or in your in your favorite Facebook group. And please, if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over at iTunes. I want to thank some recent reviewers, including London Scott from the United Kingdom, who says, It is such a find. As a huge Disney fan, the podcast is the perfect way to feel connected to the place I love, even when I'm 5,000 miles away from it. Thank you, London Scott. I thought about doing it in my worst British accent, but I did not, but I knew that it was my worst British accent. Five stars is not enough, says Rich Barnotes from Chicago, who says, this is the greatest podcast about Disney, hands down. Lou's an inspiration to a lot of us, love the podcast, and Lou helps get me through my day and that Disney-sized hole in my heart. Every time I listen, I feel as though I'm walking through Main Street, smelling the popcorn and sweets, or waiting in line at Star Tours. Thank you, Lou, for everything you do for us and the podcast. Can't wait to hear what you have in store, Rich. Thank you so much for that. And Brandy from Winterpeg, Canada, says, Why didn't I find this podcast sooner? And that's what she said in big letters. Being a huge Disney fan, this is my absolute favorite podcast to listen to. Love the variation of topics, especially the live food reviews, which please the rumbly and my tumbly, which all connect to the main theme, which is always learning something new. And what I like most about WD Radio 
is how Lou sets up his audio environment to make the listener feel like they're hanging out with family and friends. You can truly tell that Lou and his team and guests are part of the amazing Disney community, not only for their amazing storytelling skills, but also for their time, true dedication, and talents that they put into WWE Radio. Full of fun and laughs, I can't wait to see what Lou and his team have in store for us in the future. Hugs, Brandy, hugs right back to you. Uh, thank you so much for that. I, I don't read these until I start reading them on the show, so I really do appreciate your kind words. If you would like to rate and review the show, not really sure how to do it, just go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you instructions and a link as well. And finally, and most importantly, my greatest and most sincere thanks to you, um, your, your kind words on social and in person and in the reviews mean so much to me. And you really have made me know that I am where I am supposed to be. If you know my story, it's been a very long and circuitous journey from being a lawyer in New Jersey and an IT guy to being able to share my passion for Disney. And, and I want you to think about what calls to you. Right, I posted this week about watching and listening to the music from Moana. I, I love not just the the music itself, but the inspiration that I found personally from it. Right, that song "How Far I Go," Moana talks about how what, that line meets the sky and the sea calls to her. Right, and it made her change her direction in life. It, it I had that same calling. I know what she's talking about, but while she doesn't know what's out there or what beyond what she can actually see. She knows that that's where she belongs, and time will tell just how far she can go. She faced her fear. She discovered her true destiny. So I think that our hearts and our minds do know where we're supposed to be, even if it's not right now. And I want you to ask yourself, what is it, right? What calls to you? Um, What is that thing that might make you change your direction, right? Tarzan said it. I know that there's something bigger out there. Rapunzel said it. When will my life begin? You know, sometimes we're told what we're supposed to do, right? And Moana was told never to leave the safety of her land, but with support and inspiration and love for others, you can find out where you truly belong. So push past that fear of moving forward. Forget about what other people might think. Hear what calls to you. Listen to that voice inside because that is who you are. And I hope that you have your very best week ever. If there is anything that I can help you do to find out where you are supposed to be or what calls to you, please reach out to me and let me know. So until next time, see ya. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Ida and Jen. And this time we're calling you from Hong Kong, Disneyland. We've got a bench sitting here waiting to watch Paint the Night, and it's a beautiful day in Hong Kong. Talk to you later. Hey, Lou, this is Andy from Quincy in, in Massachusetts. Quincy, Massachusetts. Boy, did I fumble that. This is Andy from Quincy in Massachusetts uh, calling you to uh, just respond to episode 464. Uh, I just discovered your podcast a little while ago, and uh, and I've been going back and listening to old episodes here and there. So uh, I happened to listen to number 464 where you talked about your favorite things in Future World, and I just wanted to share uh, two little pieces from that. Uh, first of all, I respect the fact that talking about Epcot and your dad gets you choked up uh, because – just thinking about Epcot gets me choked up. It's something that my dad and I always loved uh, when I was a kid, um, and he brought me there and, and showed me the magic of Epcot. My dad's still with us, so when I pulled into Epcot a year ago on my vacation, uh, he was the first person I thought of, and I got a little choked up too. So uh, just letting you know that you're not alone in that uh, 
in that realm of people who get a little choked up at Epcot. And I also wanted to share with you this one really amazing moment of unexpected Disney magic that happened at Epcot for me um, when my girlfriend and I rode the seas uh, with Nemo, and we got to the end of the ride, and you are looking at a at the aquarium, but there's a screen over the aquarium, and uh, on the screen was this big ray with you know with its wings kind of folded out and and kind of floating through the water on the screen, and then just beyond that ray in the actual aquarium was an actual manta ray or or, or whatever they are, um, and it was just floating right behind it, and it was like this perfect little symmetry of uh, of the real live animal. Uh, right behind the uh, the animated one. So that was just a really amazing moment and one of the reasons that I love Epcot, one of the reasons I love the seas, and uh, a reason that hopefully everyone who goes to Epcot will check that out. Thanks very much. Love the podcast. Can't wait to hear about the next one. Bye-bye. Hey, Louis. Jim Meeker. It's uh, Thursday night. I'm sitting at uh, Disney Springs with a beautiful, cool breeze blowing before the storm hits. And this is my third day of being a local resident and loving being in Orlando. Can't wait to meet up with you at uh, one of the uh, upcoming meets uh, of the month. Have a great day, Lou. Bye. Hello, Lou Mancello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to tell you guys that Double Dip is right around the corner. you got 20 days until the final destination of two stops at Castaway Key. Oh, so excited for you guys. I wish I was going with you. I've told you that in the past, but... I just seen family from California that's in town right now, and I've got three more months, 95 more days until I am in Disneyland. So that is very exciting as well. Stay positive. Hope you're enjoying the weather. Keep moving forward. And here's to everyone having a wonderful, magical day. Talk to you soon. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. Nos acercamos al Polynesian Village Resort Hotel. Si van a bajarse aquí y desearían volver a montar en una... Si van a bajarse en el Contemporary y piensan volver a bromar en la América, van a tamale. 